everybody, is I, as always, Ryan. Um, I don't know how long this video will be because I'm recording this a few days ahead because I have my stuff packed and I have a flight I have to catch in about, I believe, in about five hours. So I'm quickly recording this, gonna hopefully get this exported and up for you guys. Um, happy Independence Day for those here in America. Uh, 4th of July is a big thing around here. Uh, so anyway, with that being said, let's get into this one. This one's gonna be a little shorter than the average one just because I'm busy trying to get stuff packed. Family drama, well, not drama, but family members in the hospital things like that so um yeah without further ado let's get into it so uh i got two things i'm talk about today um i brought this up last week i want to shoot you for experience wise and some people are giving back some pretty good feedback so i want to touch on that and then um so those will be called oral points and then town mob so into those let's go back to the top okay so uh nothing else has really changed oh a lot of stuff slid around in the book layout so if you're listening again on listening platforms the youtube link will be down below to check it on youtube to see all the new layout otherwise the link to the uh project itself will be in the description below so you can click on that and take a look at it so anyway uh creating more answers you may notice that table is gone <laughs> not gone i moved it and i put other things up here in place of it just explaining um what you get with your starting equipment so your license your disc your deck uh, the card binder, the deck size, and spell maximum, and aura points. So what is aura points? Uh, this is the primary way to grow as an aura mancer. To gain levels and become stronger in this class is by harnessing the use of your aura mon to their full potential. This is done through the use of your aura mon in battle, or by having great role-playing experiences up the DM discretion. After you've gained enough aura points, you, and you as an aura mancer will become stronger and thus reach the next level. After every fight, you collect one aura point, which is symbolized by a wisp that will float from the air around you and enter into your body. Once you level up, the collection of aura points inside of you will drain away, and you will become strong. Uh, you become stronger and have to start collecting them again after each level increase. Obviously, it's just like gaining XP, right? Once you level up, you reach XP zero if you reach it perfectly, and then yeah. Uh, these aura points, the following colors correspond to your class path. Power is the color of red, celestial is the color of yellow, and mystic is the color of blue. So, uh, this is another thing that will obviously be changed probably in playtesting, but a rough scope layout that might actually be finalized. Here is the new table. I wanted to have it be bigger, take up the full table, because who knows, I might add more columns and things later to it. So I figured it'd just be better to just shift it down. I did have it originally up in the other spot, but everything was just overlapping words and it just looked a mess so i just moved it down here to be a lot easier anyway that's it so um from levels one to four you need to get five aura points each level so that's basically go through five fights five encounters to gain a level and doing my research on how many encounters there really should be per session was around two to three and the difficulty right uh and this is assuming it's a multi-hour multi-man session you know and um if you do that then each player after five fights should presumably gain a level and i think that's true for normal D, &D rules right if your players go through five like fights should they level up i i think so um and also as i made sure i made it clear too it's up to DM discretion to also be able to give out on role playing or um great examples of using your creatures in or using oromon in great battles or outside of battle circumstances right so Right, because you could play this in like a diplomatic campaign. You don't have to have it be a fighting campaign, and that's where I want to stress this because D and D is not always about fighting. So, and that's why players um, or DMs can give out XP to people for doing good role play. Right, people do that. People get inspiration dice, all that stuff.
So if they're doing that, um, levels one through four, each level you need to win five fights or get awarded a point or two through role play to gain a level. Once you reach level five, then it's eight. So you need to win eight each level. Um, and then 10th level is when it starts to be 10. And then 15 is 15 and so forth. And so I figure make 15 be 15. I might make 15 be 15, 16, 16, 17, 17. Just to show like an increase in difficulty. Um, if this becomes too polarized or too easy or hard to level up, could you guys rest? Eight battles. Should you gain a level after eight battles early on in the, in the world of D&D? Like if you were just fighting random creatures. Um, yeah. I mean, because here's, here's the thing too, right? Um, the DM discretion. So obviously the players totally like trounce a fight against zero, zero creatures. It's not really worth it. But they're fighting a duel where they have to keep two creatures alive and knock out two of the enemy's two creatures. Then that, that has weight to it too. And... I just wanted to make my own kind of system of leveling up because otherwise it became so confusing being like, okay, if that creature was out, do we all gain part of that XP? Do we... So I want to make it just as simple. Like, okay, battle's done. You win. You gain a wisp. You gain an aura point. Great. Moving on, right? Don't be like, oh, hang on, DM. Let me calculate what XP everybody should get after the fight and crunch numbers and math. Some people like that, which is fine. But instead it's something... Okay. Because picture a dungeon, right? For, um... DMs out there, you potentially have four battles leading up to the final fight, and that's five battles, five aura points. They gain a level and go back to town as now level two or level three players. So, and obviously it exponentially grows, right? Because you have 10, 15, etc. Oh, you know what I might do now that I look at this? I could simply just increase it by one, literally uh, the whole way. So we got 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, yeah. So I might just have it correspond to the levels all the way up after eight just to make it be a little bit more growth right so we got 10 the level 12 for example you need to get 12 or a wisp 13 you need 13 to complete it and i think it's by doing that too it's not bad because and then 16 and 16. yeah i think that's just a nice easy way of of climbing the ranks because think about it after all of these battles you need to get from level 19 to 20 you have to do 19 battles <laughs> That has some weight to it, but you got to raise this too. In D&D, &D, right, um, if you are a 19th level character and you're fighting things that are thrown at you for 19th level adventurers to handle, should you gain a level right away? Should it be easier or less than that? I don't know. Maybe the exponential growth is just too much. This is something the playtesting will have to see, but... Uh, nonetheless, I think it, it, it's a cool way, and that way um, DMs can award aura points in the forms of, especially if they anticipate, okay, I have about four encounters coming up in the next dungeon, and they're about five or six points away. Okay, if they do really good with role-playing this upcoming part with the next NPCs in town, then I, you know, I'll give them a point. And I'll make the players happy. I'll think, oh, yes, I did something besides just fighting to gain something. And, and it's just like a small, nicer, dialed-back way of doing XP. So... I think that's what's going to be the play here. Um, let me know what you guys think down below. Do you think aura points is a, like, it's almost like EXP points, right? Or experience points, aura points, the points you need to level up as an auromancer. Since that they're called that, right? Uh, let me know what you think. Do you think the aura points is a good idea, a bad idea, too abusive? I think it's okay. Maybe the numbers have to be played with a bit. I have to see. I mean, I could literally, now that I see this too, make it be like five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, just go all the way up. But I don't want to make like first level be, okay, you win one fight. 
and then you level up. No, because usually in D and D, you have to win at least four or five fights every level to gain it to gain a significant level, at least early on, right? And uh, what's what's cool about this is that while you become stronger, the enemies become stronger, and it's not really you fighting per se. It's the level and the strength of the creatures you can summon to fight alongside you. So, all right. Um, that's enough of you talking about the aura points, but I, I like the whole idea of the wisps and the idea. Let me know what you think. If that sounds cool too, do you, do you think this is like a good way to take this? Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, I'm not sure if I did any other changes. I don't think so much to the beginning. I just shifted a lot of things around. So the layout's going to look a lot different than it did before, at least in the beginning of the book. Um, oh, we keep going down here, and I have something to talk about. Oh, I just found like some cool art I could use by um Brett Nifield, who bought the art, got to use it, things like that. So it looks really cool there. Um, I don't know if I'll keep it there. I'll keep it somewhere else. Uh, for those that are listening, it's simply a girl holding a bunch of like cards, and there's like ghosts floating around her, to kind of be like a summoner or an NPC in the world. Uh, I do have <laughs> about seven different characters I have art I plan to have be like NPCs of the um world for DMs. If they need DMs um NPCs to use in their campaigns, so. I think that'd be cool. Uh, that's not coming till later. I gotta finalize creatures, guys. Creatures is the big thing of the game. Once it gets finalized and in, and I almost have all the art done, or at least CR zero. And there's a lot of CR zero creatures, so it's only gonna get easier. Hopefully, from there, Maybe one, two, and three. Obviously, I have a ton of creatures as well. So, uh, trying, <laughs> trying my best. So, um, speaking of that, if you like to support the cause, get your name in the book. Just or not even have your name in the book and just support the cause, you know, a place to check out. Being Patreon down below is one of the biggest ones. Donating to the streams whenever the streams happen, and I announce most of them on the Discord. So if you're not in the Discord, but you want to help with the project, great spot to go. Okay, uh, moving on. Let me think if I did anything else. Uh, all right, I just don't have to be up real soon, so thinking about that. Um, I have to fix some of the sections here in the book that mention EXP, like with ending a battle. I will do that. I just have to get around to doing that. Um, all the spells are in. Nothing changed there. All the creatures are here. Nothing's really changed with those. Uh, I got some more finalized art for um, the mice, which I think is really cool. Um, show that up at a time at some point as well. Uh, or if you're on the Reddit, if you're on the Reddit, you probably have already seen it. If you're not in the Reddit, that's also down below. If you want to check that out, if you have a Reddit and you just want to hop in and see the different art that gets put there up, that I put up there all the time, put ahead. Um, I didn't do anything different with the card packs. Those are all still there. Okay. Uh, creature time. So I get to show off at least one finished creature. <laughs> uh, as we've seen, we've seen Batsy, Badgerang. Oh, I went through and I gave everybody a title. So Thormongers, the Spiky Plant Oromon. Bionorf Baboon is the Experimental Oromon. Badgerang is the Lucky Badger Oromon, uh, Batsy of Darkness, the Demonic Messenger Oromon, Angelic Kitten is the Holy Cat Oromon, and our new one, the Town Mob. Um, the uh, ignore the art. I'm I'm having the same people, but I'm having a different background put in that looks a lot nicer, better. Yeah. So, uh, but the, but the art of the people in the uh, Town Mob, I think, is is what I've selected. So this monster, I think, is very interesting. Let me know your thoughts down below. It might be a little too OP, but I ran the numbers and it's around the same power level as the other creatures in this. But so, all right, Town Mob, uh, medium swarm of humanoids, right? So what's cool about D&D is we've had swarms of rats, swarms of snakes, swarms of bats, etc. Uh, but we've never had a swarm of, of humans. What does that look like? So I tried to incorporate that into here. So uh, neutral good, let just make it simple. This is a CR3 character, uh, AC of 10, just like it's common evolution before that. 
but it has 100 hit points. And uh, here's where it kind of gets interesting. So speed up 30 feet. It's got 12 in every single stat. So every single stat is a plus one. The commoner has a 10 to all of its stats. I figured if they're evolved, they get a little stronger. It has the swarm mechanic. So as a group of them, they resist bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. Uh, and condition immunities is they can't be charmed, frightened, paralyzed, petrified, prone, restrained, or stunned because they're a swarm of them. Right, so swarms usually avoid all of that and um this is cool because it's a swarm of humanoids creatures what have you uh, or swarm of humanoids is the is the way to put that uh speak common past perceptions 12 challenge rating three okay so what is what's their stat block say so what is their key card ability it's another question right everyone loves seeing that so key card ability is called town travelers after your key card for 24 hours town mob will offer to the oromancer services that a town would offer please see town services table for options that you may do um i think that's cool uh i'm gonna fix the wording on that real quick because i think it sounds a little jumbly to say that right so let's see after your key card or map for 24 hours uh town mob will offer to the oriented services that a town would offer i'm just gonna say um see town services table that's all i'm gonna say there make it easier Less complex, I heard less words, less complex. See town service table. All right, there, make it nice and easy. Okay, um, and their next ability, strength in numbers. So you're like, man, the thing has 100 hit points at CR3. Everything else here is like 45 or whatever. Yes, but uh, for every 10 hit points, town mob loses. It gets one less multi-attack of the Oromancer's choice. So, there is 10 humans or 10 humanoids in the picture. So I figured each humanoid has 10 health. For every group of 10 hit points that the character that this creature loses, it loses a multi-hit as a trade-off. Um it's AC's 10. Now that I think about it, I am gonna make it a little stronger and make it 12. Because that, that's still really low for some of these other ACs of these creatures. Nothing else here is AC 12. Everything else is like 14, 13, 15. Angelic Kitten 16. Um, so 12 I think is fine. Because they're a little, I want them to be a little tougher. I mean, ultimately they are just a group of commoners, which are their, it's their preform. But I want them to be a little stronger than commoners, right? If I go to commoner quick in the book and just look. Commoner, their pre-evolution, simply has 10 AC and 4 hit points. This time I get them a 12 AC and give every commoner in the group 10 hit points. They're a little stronger. So... Um, for every 10 hit points, right, their ability strength in numbers, Town Mob loses. For every 10 hit points, Town Mob loses. It gets one less multi-attack of the Ormancer's choice. They roll in a second. Then have the Swarm mechanic, right? The Swarm can occupy another creature's space and vice versa. The Swarm can't regain hit points or gain temporary hit points. Because this is a group, so they can't heal. You can't just, like, bring part of it back alive because then it's no longor a Swarm, right? Uh, I figured it was cool to call it Town Mob. Um, I wonder its actions that, because you're like, Ryan, what does it mean by one less multi-attack of the Oromancer's choice? Well, uh, multi-attack. Town Mob makes six pitchfork, three torch, and one scythe attack. Because in the picture, there is six torches, three pitchforks, and a scythe that the town members are holding in their hand. So, um, pitchfork. And I made it balanced with the other creatures here. So, uh, most of these creatures deal uh, 
like a 2d8. Let me see if I can find. Um, let see, 4d6. Yeah. Trying to find the website. I found a really beautiful website earlier. There it is. Dice roll stats. Okay, so we're going to use this so I can show off what I mean. So, other creatures deal 2d8 plus like uh, 6 damage. Okay, which is an average of 15 damage a turn is what about every other creature kind of has going on with it, okay? These guys, let's say that you do all of, let's say that all their attacks hit number one, okay? Because that's a big downside, right? You have to get, make all 10 attacks hit uh, for the best case scenario. And they all get a plus two to hit, which is not the worst, but I figured you're making like 10 different attacks here. Um, and this card might actually be a lot weaker than it might sound, uh, but... So ultimately, uh, it can make six pitchfork, three torch, and one scythe attack. What are those? Pitchfork is a plus two to hit. All these are five feet and one target. So, but they can make different attacks to different groups, right? So that's where that comes in group. If there's like a group of four kobolds come running at you, you can have your town mob of ten people go running towards them, right? And then interlock, and each of those people can attack a different kobold, and that's where that benefit comes in. So strength in numbers, right? As its ability says. And imagine that with other players' pack tactics, if your group like spreads apart, mm-hmm, pretty cool. Anyway, um, so plus two to hit, five foot, one d4 minus one piercing, it's pitchfork. So that's six d4 minus six. Plus uh, torch, which is three of those, which is just one d4 fire damage. So three d4. So plus 3d4, and then one scythe, which is a d6, plus 1d6. And if you look at it, the average is 15 damage. <sighs> Pretty cool, huh? So that's where um, it's cool. I, I, I think it, it's, it's cool. So the damage averages the exact same as another creature. But it does have the downside that for every 10 hit points it loses, you get one that's multi-attack of your choice, right? So that what that means is you can choose to have five pitchforks or six pitchforks and two torches. Basically, it's to give you versatility. If something's immune to slashing and you're attacking it and you know your scythe's not going to deal any damage and they get take at least 10 hit points of damage, then they lose the scythe attack, right? And you're just like, I don't need that. So have the scythe guy basically get knocked out. Once they're all gone obviously the creature the swarm goes down to zero it's dead and when the last time this member falls then that's it so um town mob the mobile town or oramon when the local commoners found out about the experiments dr lazarus was performing on the wildlife in the area they came together to demand that it be stopped they came together to go after his castle up on the hill and to help avenge the animals that have fallen prey to his experiment with the town mob having failed in their mission, they are now spectral town members of the former of their former selves, and as such can be summoned to fight for under an Oromancer. They still appear as they once did, as the Or recognized their deaths as being just and allowed them allowed them to come back to fight for Oromancer. So basically what this is is it's not like you're going into a town and like taking ten people and now you're like, alright, all y'all are my town mob. No, no, this is like a a swarm, like a swarm of rats, but they are Human, human, or human-like creatures. You could flavor this and make it be orcs, make it be whatever. But ultimately, these are their stats, right? Um, but I think it's cool to have a a swarm humanoid 
type of character. We don't have that in the basic monster manual of D&D. The rats, snakes, things like that. We don't have like a town mob of commoner. So I definitely wanted to implement that. And I was like, what better evolution than just the commoner evolution? So I think that's such a home run. Um, anyway, so now we got to get into the quick thing about, you say, Ryan, what is the um, offer, the Oromancer services that a town would offer? What does that mean? Well, who are your 10 people in your mob? I gave 10 town members here. So, and what it basically says is, if they are with their Oromancer for 24 hours, um, the town members can perform tasks they once did in their past lives as commoners. Each of these tasks can be used once per day. Keep that in mind. You have all these options, and you can use them at least once per day. Not at least, I'm sorry, excuse me, not at least. Use, each of these tasks can be used once per day. That's the difference. So... Well, your 10 um, towns members and your town mob. Well, let's get into it, shall we? We got Walter the Watchman, Beric the Farmer, Iona the Innkeeper, Lake the Blacksmith, Harold the Hunter, Barry the Baker, Willis the Winemaker, Leonard the Locksmith, Mayor Maurice, and Brutus the Butcher. Yes, they are all alliterations, but that's okay because that makes them be fun towns members. Um, oh, and they all have a special task, right? So let's get into that quick. Um, and, and this is where, uh, this is more of a, uh, Oromon is your key card. That's for more versatile players, right? So, uh, Walter the Watchman. He stays awake as a lookout at night. That's his task. At night, he'll stay awake for you while you sleep. I think that's pretty cool. I think that's so helpful for players if you're not, like, an elven race or a race that, that doesn't, need as much resting and you have to get the full resting in might as well have an ormond that will stay awake for you right or or have a character that will be always on guard as lookout if you're sleeping out in the woods or sleeping out in an area that's not exactly the safest Beric the farmer gives one bean from bag of beans and we'll talk about that after i think that'd be a good way to go about this uh iona the innkeeper allows half price at any inn Super versatile, especially if players have to go around to any inns and they give their price, and Iona can talk with the other innkeep and basically get you half price. Uh, Blake the Blacksmith, this I thought was a cool ability. So he silvers another Oromon's weapon for a day. So, does that make sense? So, some creatures are immune to all types of damage that aren't silvered. Well, if you are bringing a blacksmith with you, his power is he'll let he'll silver, he silvers another Oromon's weapon for a day. Right, silvers another Oromon's, um, maybe I'll do, um, handed weapon for a day. I'll make it clear, not like claws, but like dagger swords. So that way, if this guy's traveling with the group, if let's say it's you and your other players and you're like, listen, I want to have a townspeople with me. I want to have that role playing experience with, with this game, especially for somebody that's playing on your own. Well, if you're playing with other people in the play group, which is cool, right? If they have characters that use daggers, knives, weapons, and things like that. Uh, for example, Thornmonger on top, right? Thornmonger has that thorned whip. Spike vine, plus four to hit, piercing damage. What if it's silvered now for the day? Now what kind of things that are immune to so that are immune to all damage that's not silver? I'm looking at you, legendary were blank, were rat, were tiger, werewolf, were boar, etc. of creatures that prove pretty 
problematic early game. This at least allows you, right, to be able to get that. Um, Twins per day silver, even your weapon as a player or another Oromon's weapon. Well, it says or another Oromon's handed weapon for a day, so. Um, Harold the Hunter, he gives one ration from hunting. This is great for playgroups if DMs are like, listen, we're going to keep track of rations. So, he gives one ration from hunting, which helps cover at least a meal or two. Barry the Baker gives one small loaf of bread that heals one target, one d4. So, you're in the middle of combat or you're out running. You know, I might make that be a d6 now, Barry, because I thought, I mean... Let me see. Or might it be 1d8? One small loaf of bread that heals, one target, 1d8. Uh, but last one day. Before spoiling, I want to see if it'll fit. If it doesn't fit, because I've been having trouble with the, keeping this thing on the page, which is, I've really like, yeah, I didn't think it would fit. Okay. One small loaf of bread that heals one target, one d8. Trying to think of a shorthanded way of wording it to basically say that it only lasts for one day. Like, you can't just load up on loaves of bread. One loaf of bread that heals one target, one d8. So by giving somebody the one ration from hunting, right, it, it can also prove to be a good food if you need to use it perhaps for an NPC that's traveling with you that has not brought food. Or you yourselves know that you have food as your group, but maybe you have to lure in an animal or some other creature and you can use that ration for bait. So that's where that ration part can come in helpful. Just jumping back to Harold and um, back with Barry here. So uh, one loaf of bread that heals one target, one D8. Immediately. Oh boy. Okay. So next we have Willis, the winemaker. It's a very, very interesting name. I liked it a lot. So for Willis here. Yeah, so I'm making that immediately so it's just it's like, yep, yeah, it can do it and then that's it. It'll heal him immediately and that's it. like you can't hold the bread, so uh, test one loaf of bread that heals one target one d immediately. So, uh, Will's the winemaker's ability says, um, "Can you use alchemy jug?" Look up alchemy jug. And remember, these are things that um, they can only use once per twelve hours. So it's alchemy jug. Uh, the ceramic jug appears to be able to hold a gallon of liquid that weighs twelve pounds, whether full or empty. Flashing sounds can be heard from within the jug when it is shaken, even if the jug is empty. You can use an action and name one liquid from the table below to cause the jug to produce the chosen liquid. Afterward, you can uncork the jug as an action and pour the liquid out up to two gallons per minute. The max amount of liquid the jug can produce depends on the liquid you named. Once the jug starts producing a liquid, it can't produce a different one or more than one until the max or more than one that has reached its maximum until the next dawn. So again, you can only use it until like the next day. Uh, what are the liquids? Well, you can make eight ounces of acid, half an ounce of basic poison, four gallons of beer, one gallon of honey, two gallons of mayonnaise, one quart of oil, two gallons of vinegar, eight gallons of fresh water, 12 gallons of salt water, and one gallon of 
fine. So I thought this would be a really cool item to have. And basically this avoids you as the player from needing to carry this, this item with you. If you can just simply have a Oromon carry it for you. So here's what the jug looks like. People at home. I think it looks really cool. Um, yeah. So that's Willis the winemaker, right? So he can use an alchemy he can use alchemy jug. He will be carrying the alchemy jug with you. So if you guys players need mayonnaise for your sandwiches. Or perhaps you need salt water because you've captured a fish and you don't want to have it have disadvantage for fighting on land. And perhaps somebody can shape that water into like a bowl or something to keep the saltwater creature in. And I, I just can see so many different play elements of that being used in this game mode that I had to include it for a winemaker. Uh, Leonard the locksmith, he carries it, can use thief's tools. So um, you need to get a lock open. Well, he can use thief's tools and it says once per day they can do their thing. So he carries and he can use thief's tools once per day. Uh, mayor Maurice gives you advantage on one persuasion roll because of his charismatic personality being the mayor. And then Brutus the Butcher, I think, is, is a great way of using different rules in this for creatures, right? At a plus five, your Oromon creature drop chance. So I'll go back up to that because I think we haven't talked about that since. Oof. So two, maybe three, and now we're on episode 12 ish. So yeah. So we'll take a look at that quick. So the uh, Oromon drop, the Oromon creature drop chance, right? So he has plus five Oromon creature drop chance one time. So I guess I'll put one time after it. That might just shift the whole table, but we'll go down and take a look in a second. So, right, so if you're fighting Oromon that zero through three, its chance of it dropping itself as a creature is 60 or higher. But for you, if you activate Brutus the Butcher, he has a plus five to it, and then that's 55. 4 through 10, instead of 70, it's 65. 80, it's 75. And instead of 90, it is only 85. So by increasing the chance of you, because I've, I've tried to think of a like harvest or butcher ability, right? Um, so I figured might as well have it affect a game mode, a game mode rule. So make it be like when you're harvesting, you have a better, you have a higher chance of it dropping itself as a card when it sees Brutus. So because Brutus is the butcher. So I think that is pretty darn Cool. If I say so myself, uh, let's see. I did it keep it or did it move? I kept it. Fantastic. So add a plus five to Ormond creature drop chance one time. Pretty basic stuff, right? So yeah. So what do you? So so the two questions to think about if you've made it through the full episode, which thank you. This is a shorter one, obviously, but um, I could only have done so much this week before I went away, and um, unfortunately, I don't think there'll be one next Sunday because I'm not coming home till like late Saturday night, and it all depends on how much I work on in the book to be able to make an episode for you guys that night so uh we shall see i plan to do a lot of different work and i have oh i'm so happy to announce other stuff too i finally have a spell artist shout out um in a week or so i'll be able to show you the stuff that he makes because he does like seven of them at a time so which i think is amazing so i'm excited to show you guys those um i've almost finished all the creatures for cr0 like i said i think i have like two more drawings i need done but then all of cr0 is done and i can just Upload them all to the books, start making stat plots. We're really into the creatures and stats now, which I'm all about. I'm here for because um, I think it's fun. So, hopefully, in the future, you'll see stuff about Seymour the Shell Collector. I think he's next on our list of creatures to write about. Yeah, he's the evolution of Crab. Uh, Crawling Claw is all done. I have all of that art, so that is pretty great. Deer is almost done. Eagle's done. Frog and Psionic Frog is done. Well, um, yeah, frog and sign of frog. I have like three different names for for the evolution for the uh, frog on all my notes. I have to decide one that I like. Um, 
Nine Fire Beetle and Horn Beetle of Flame is coming. Goat and Giant Rams all set. Hawk will be done. Um, homunculus. Uh, I, I think I have a cool mechanic or cool idea for. Uh, Hyena's done. And I have to change a lot of this notes in this book too. So I'll go through. Because I just updated my, my, my monster list. I keep secret table here. I keep of everything. Which shows like which creatures I've ordered. And abilities and things to come for certain ones. And I have at least four or five new... Um, evolutions or my own evolution chain of creatures like jack-o'-lantern and jester and things that i plan to add to the game that i have so i'll try in the beginning if i can to sprinkle them throughout the different um tiers so we get like at least one or two unique never before seen creatures of that cr um and then obviously if people are on the patreon you can submit your own creatures and be able to have your own impact in the book i'll work with you we'll design we'll talk to an artist we'll get stuff all together and it'll be great um, so if you want to start doing that, you check out the Patreon down below. And, um, oh, I want to announce something. We are right now about 2,300 downloads for the podcast, which is amazing. And I wanted to do something where um, I was talking with some people, and I'd like to do a special thing for the 2,500 download special. Like, once we reach 2,500 downloads. And I'll show a picture here for people. Got other pictures of other creatures to come here. Did I get rid of it? Oh, did I X out of it? No. All right, here it is. Um, I'm going to show this image for those that are watching on YouTube so you get to take a look at this image and uh, see what is in store. Now, this does not mean that this is going to be continuing, but we did record the ending of the first arc of Pokemon D&D &D Awakening. Now, I was talking with some people, and I do feel that um, we're not going to monetize the episode at all, and it is simply the fact of we think you guys deserve to at least know what happens to the character, right? Because last time you saw this, they, they ended the Ugari, Ama, Charlie, they descended into darkness, and that was it. You didn't know what happened, right? Uh, but we have what happens. We've recorded it. It is, it is done. And it's not going to be edited. It's not going to look... I mean, it's not going to be as nice as, as it was. I'm going to simply slap an intro. The outro's done. And I'm going to repeat this message too. Once we reach that goal of 2,500 downloads on the overall count here. So, if you want to see what happened to Charlie, Ama, and Gregory. Share with your friends episode one. Share with your friends the start to this project. Share this with people that you know. That way we can make it to 2,500 downloads and I can release that ending to that, um, to that, that arc, that series. Because I, I, I really think the ending was so was good. It was, it's so touched home on a lot of different things. And uh, I felt that you guys deserved to, to get the ending. Because you guys literally watched so many good episodes of that to just have it drop with them ending, walk in the darkness. Like, but, so. If we ever reach 2,500 downloads on the um, podcast total download count, which we're at 2,300, it's really only 200 away. So I'm sure over time we'll reach there. But uh, if you guys want to reach it sooner, I do have art of. Um, if you don't want to see this, that's that's fine. I think I'll I think I'll end with doing it because uh, I have to talk about the beans quick because I mentioned the bag of beans. And the reason why I also bring this up is uh, I'll talk about this quick too. Uh, I talked with Gregory or Tyler, Katie, and Sky, and they all have said it's good. 
or it's okay if uh not okay but they thought it was a great idea i should say i think i want to make each of them there's three of them and there is three classes power mystic and celestial have each of them be creatures that only that type of um subclass or class path can use and make them be like strong like representative creatures of that class right so that's what i think i'm going to have done um with them at some point and that's another good incentive to basically to be like hey our first campaign ended here's a coup d'etat let's make i'm gonna have them be creatures that players can summon and fight with in this world um so that is awesome and um that's something i'm hyped for and hopefully if you guys have seen the first campaign i think seeing them again in light on pictures on actual playing cards you can hold i think will be great uh, and i found a great new place i think i'm gonna get the cards through so should be really good um so i'm gonna show you bag of beans quick because i said i did that earlier there's a lot of stuff here for bag of beans guys but to to basically summarize a little bit it causes chaos if you're all about chaos in a play group then this is uh this is for you this is a way to play D, &D which is fine I'd like to get this to work if I can. There. Okay. Okay. No, does it wanna? There. Okay. So to quickly run through bag of beans, right? So basically every day you get a free bean from Beric, the farmer. Going to him right now. Gives one bag from Bag of Beans. So, monster list, let's get that list back. Alright, so a bunch of different stuff can happen, right? I'm just going to summarize most of these because there's a, there's a lot here. If you want to check out Bag of Beans fully, literally just type in D&D Bag of Beans and you'll see all the results. Because I believe um, Badgerang is also a creature that... One bean from the item Bag of Beans, right? So... But his is a chance. His is every day at dawn. You have an option. One th you get a random 1 through 12 item. With the town mob, you get um, a lot of different variety of stuff. So, uh, now we talked about Bag of Beans before, so we talk about it. Basically, a tree ant, one option is a tree ant comes out. 50% chance it's good or evil. A geyser erupts, and it's of different liquids. GM's choice, like water, berry juice, tea, vinegar, wine, oil, etc. Um... Another one is 5d4 toad sprout, 5d4 toadstool spread, if a creature eats one, roll any die on an odd, the eater must pass a dc 15 con save or take 5d6 poison, on an even the eater regains 5d6 temporary hit points for an hour. Another one is like a campfire shoots up, another one is an, an, anim, an animate immobile stone statue in your likeness rises, makes a verbal threat against you if you leave it and others come near it. Um, if you leave it and others come near. It describes you as the most heinous of villains and directs the newcomers to find and attack you. You're on the same plane of existence as the statue. It knows where you are. The statue becomes inanimate after 24 hours. Another one is it makes um, 1d6 plus 6 shriekers sprout. A hungry bullet burrows up and attacks. A fruit tree grows. It has 1d10 plus 20 fruit, of which magic potions that heal all differently have the gem's choice. 1d4 plus 8 pink toads crawl forth. Whenever Toad is touched, it transforms into a large or smaller monster of the GM's choice. A lot of just random chaos, right? Um, a giant bean, this is at 100, or 0, 0, or 100, right? A giant beanstalk sprouts, growing the height of GM's choice. The top leads where the GM chooses, such as to a great view of 
a cloud, giant's castle, or different planes of existence. Um, another one is a mummy lord's pyramid sprungs up out of the ground. And another one is a, a any creature of eggs pop out. And any creature eats an egg must take a DC 20 con save, or it permanently lowers its lowest ability score by one. On a failed save, uh, that's on a successful save. On a failed save, the creature takes 10d6 force damage from an internal magical explorer. So a lot of different stuff can happen, guys. A lot of different crazy things can happen from that. Good and bad and fun and chaotic. So Beric, the man, the farmer, the boy, where it's at. So I kind of think of it right in battle. Okay, if um you guys lose 10 hit points or 20 hit points, it's like, all right, which which town member goes down? What happens to him? Who are you taking out? You know? And that could just be a fun little roleplay thing too for people. So that's town mob. That was about the beans. Or alchemy jug. Alright. Gonna end it with the uh, with the little picture here coming. A uh, few things quick. Like I said, I don't know if there'll be a video next week. If there's not, I'm sorry, but that gives you more time to share this or just in general other videos that we made here on the channel with people. Especially if you want to get the the ending to the Pokemon D and D arc, because I I think you guys definitely deserve it. And like I said, we had about like four or five downloads a day on average for the podcast. Sometimes it's like seven, eight, nine, ten, which is great. Other times it dips down to two or three which is fine um it's just oh if we want to get to that 2500 to see it sooner definitely share this with friends for sure so here's the image if you don't want a spoiler and you just want to wait till it releases that's fine this isn't even a big spoiler it's just a creature that i made forever ago that i just wanted to share because the art of it was cool and it's a little spoiler for for what's what's to come down in that um down in that so I wanted to see if I could find, I thought I had another version of the picture, but I do not think I do. So I will unfortunately have to just use the one that I have of the creature itself. I thought I had a more like fuzzier, fuzzier one, but I think it's just the, um, just the creature itself is what I ended up deciding. Cause the fuzz, I hire artists. I'm not the best artist <laughs> at all. So. <laughs> Here is the um here's the picture of the uh of what we got. So remember, so to paint the picture to set the scene again, our players were in a dungeon where they just finished fighting out a Marowak, a demented Chansey, a uh, saved fought a bunch of Cubones, helped save a bunch of the little sand slashes, and they descend down in the darkness. Gregory got like wounded pretty bad in the eyes, so we're descending down into the darkness to see what's at the bottom of the tower. So, and uh, to show you a, a picture of what that could be. Um, what I'm going to do is, is I will, um, I'll say my goodbyes now in case people don't want to see. So, um, have a good night of Satan for you. Have a good day of Satan for you. Enjoy watching the fireworks later tonight if you're going out, if you're celebrating things. So, uh, for if you're in the United States for 4th of July, I know I'll be out of the country. So, that'd be fun. Um, Definitely on Discord, what your, how your plans are going for 4th of July. Because I talk with you guys. You guys have been great to talk with, leaving YouTube comments. I always read those. Shout out to those. Shout out to Zapbop and other guys that do that. You guys are amazing. I do pay attention. I do respond to things the best I can. And I love your feedbacks on things. So, all right. Without further ado, um, if it's nighttime for you, have a good night. If it's nighttime for you, have a good day. And with that, I will catch you guys all later on. So, here is the picture. I'll end it with showing that. And, uh, yeah. So, here we go. So, I think that's really cool. Um, this is the creature, we'll say, that is uh, 
lurking down below that has been causing a lot of problems. And um, to say more about the episode while well, this is here, um, this episode was recorded and done before we knew anything about any of the other problems that went on with the other Pokemon DD stuff. And we felt like we, we owed it to you guys and the, the people that enjoyed watching it to, to see the final episode. So to go into it more, right, um, it's not going to be edited nice. It's not going to have a bunch of sounds. And I'm just going to slap an intro on it, get it set. That's really it. So we're not doing anything special with that. We're not continuing the series, but we felt that you guys deserved an ending to what happened. So with that being said, again, we stayed this long. Awesome. I look forward to um, hearing about your guys' 4th of July experience on the Discord and Reddit. So with that being said, again, have a good night of Satan for you. Have a good day of Satan for you. And with that, I will catch you in the next one. Yeah.